Welcome to the Clear Brand Academy podcast, where we take the mystery out of marketing and help you get more leads and sales with a clear brand and proven marketing tactics. I'm your host, Alexander Toth. Social media. If anything has changed and taken over our world in recent history, it is social media. Uh, Very few things have had such a massive impact on the way that we engage with people and communicate. Uh, In the world of communication, there's a very small number of major changes that have happened. Going from, from person to person, that was pretty standard for thousands, hundreds of thousands of years. Person to person communication. I can talk to you. I can tell you a story. Then... With things like writing, we have person to multiple people. Uh, I can now take this thing and write it down, and, and that can be passed from one person to another to another. And I don't need to be directly involved. You know, that's, that's a pretty big change. Another one is the uh, printing press. This turned, this made communication, uh, it, it allowed us to communicate in mass. So, I could write a book and then rather than, you know, writing a letter and having that be passed from me to one person or a small group of people, I can now print massive amounts of uh, documents, books, um, writing, things like that. So that's from one person to masses. That was a pretty big change. The change that social media brought in is masses to masses, right? So if we've got one-to-one, which is kind of the same as one to a small number, anything that you can do one-to-one, you can do with a small number. And then you've got one-to-many, and now we have many-to-many. This is a big change in the world of communication. I think that we, first of all, with social media, need to acknowledge that that's what's happening. Even something like email, All it did is made the one-to-one or the one-to-small numbers more efficient. But social media allows the many to communicate with the many. This is a whole new way of communicating. Now today, we're going to talk about social media marketing. I've had, I've gone back and forth on this generally in the dislike space for years um, we've debated within ClearBrand whether to do social media. We've debated whether to uh, offer it as a service. One of our principles is we want to charge for things that make people money. And I have not uh, seen compelling data uh, that social media does that, number one. And also, if it does, how do we replicate that? And so recently, I've been, I've been hearing more uh, pushback uh, clients, team, different folks wanting us to offer this as a service. So I decided to do a deep dive and that's what we're going to go through today. Uh, I have scoured, uh, marketing research, uh, hubs for information on social media. Now let me define this problem with social media a little bit more clearly. The, the main problem that I see with social media is the question of does it work? And if it does, how do we replicate it? The reason why I see that as a primary problem with social media is because if one person does something that works, that does not necessarily mean that that will work for others. So for example, somebody goes viral, 
right? Let's say that they post uh, a picture of themselves eating a smoothie. Well, there are thousands of people who also posted pictures of themselves eating a smoothie that same day at that around that same time who did not go viral. So that means that this action that that person who did go viral just took uh, involved not only the action but also luck. And I don't, you can't systematize luck. There are ways that you can look for luck. There are ways that you can systematize paying attention and trying to take advantage of luck. But luck is not a strategy. Luck is not part of a social media marketing plan. And this is the problem that I've seen with social media across the board. In general, the people who are teaching social media are the people who lucked out. They uh, happened to go viral or um, did something that everybody else is doing, but for them it worked, even though it didn't work for everyone else. And so this is a this is this is why I have strayed away from social media in general, is because there isn't a way to replicate the success. So, in putting together this episode, I did not go through and say who on social media is being successful and what are they doing, because of the flaws that I just mentioned. There are people who are also doing those things that are not getting the same results. So instead, I went to um, the Journal of Marketing Research and I, and I looked for research on social media to see if we could figure out, okay, what are the trends? Not like what's hot right now, but what are the trends in data? What are we seeing that is having some kind of a consistent impact? So there's three categories here. We've got the good, the bad, and the ugly. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through, just let you know which, which articles I uh, came across here. They're also going to be linked uh, in the show notes. Uh, there's a lot of them here, so we're actually going to link them in the show notes on our site. So you'll go down to the description on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening, and you'll click the link to go to the episode page on our site, and then from there... Uh, you can see all of the links uh, to the research along with um, a summary. Now, I sometimes copied some of the text from the, uh, the abstract in order to get the summary here, and sometimes I wrote it myself, uh, but there is a summary for each of these so that you can see this. So let me run through these, and then what we're going to do is we're going to kind of put them together. So under the good category, we have... Uh, an article uh, on, on Twitter, uh, a TV company's tweets directly boost viewing and influential retweets, so retweets from folks who are influential, increase viewing as well if the, tw- if the tweet is informative. Uh, another article, organic interaction with a Facebook page does not change buying behavior, but paid advertising and boosted social posts do. So let's pause there for a second because I want to point out another difficult thing with social media marketing. Uh, we have here, the first one I mentioned, a company, a TV company's tweets directly boost viewing. So it's a TV company. What they're trying to get is viewers. And if they tweet, they get more viewers. That's pretty simple. That's great. If they construct their tweet in an informative way, then retweets from other people who are influential 
will also increase viewing. That's great. Now, this is all organic interaction. Then we move to Facebook. And that second article, the second uh, research paper, organic interaction with the Facebook page does not change buying behavior. So I should just throw a caveat out here that there's always exceptions to the rule. And so what I'm looking for, like I said, is ways to figure out how we can replicate, systematize, strategize uh, social media marketing. So of course that there's going to be, you might say to yourself, oh, I've got organic interaction with my Facebook page that is changing buying behavior. Now, this article here is saying that it does not change buying behavior. So the first thing that I would challenge you about and that we look at with ourselves is, uh, are you sure? How do you know that this organic interaction is changing buying behavior? Are you tracking it? Uh, if so, cool, you know, learn, let's figure out how do we systematize that replicate it. Uh, now, so, so we're already seeing here a difference between Twitter and Facebook where Twitter organic tweeting and engagement there is increasing uh, TV show views. Facebook, now this, you don't buy TV shows, right? You just go to your TV and you watch it. So this Facebook one is different. It's a different platform and it's also talking about purchases specifically. Uh, So lots of differences between these two. Uh, so, So that makes it hard to draw overall conclusions, but we do have this organic interaction does not change buying behavior on Facebook, but paid advertising and boosted social posts do. So that's interesting. If you're paying for things on Facebook, uh, you, you can have a higher chance of changing buying behavior. Next uh, article, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through these and then I'm going to summarize as a whole what we can learn from these uh, towards the end. So the, the density of social networks, so basically in this, in this research, uh, they were, in this, this is the third article now, they were tracking song plays for artists posting on social networks. They tracked things like uh, friend requests, they tracked things like comments, and then they connected it to song plays that directly came from the social network. So in this article, on average, fans streamed 60.66 songs in a given month from an artist's profile. So that's not each follower listening to 60 songs. That is 60 songs coming from the artist's social network profile. Uh, song. So 60.66 song plays coming directly from social networks of some kind. Now, in this article, they, they basically went through and they tracked all of the different ways that an artist could engage with people, like friend requests and comments. And then they looked at the impact of that. So, for example, uh, they found that one comment on average led to nine additional song plays. Now, one of the first things that I noticed in this article is the number, the, the amount of difference from one side of the spectrum to the other. So going back to that average of 60 song plays coming from each uh, artist's social network profiles, the average was 60, but the range was zero to over 4,000. So some artists were getting zero song plays from their social media profiles, and some were getting over 4,000 from their social media profiles. So this in general 
is as a whole calls into question this research for me. I think we can on this article look at the general ideas that they learned from this, but I would find it difficult to say I'm going to apply this article to my business because of this massive difference in the spectrum of artists that they were studying. From a bunch of them having zero song plays at all from social media to a few having over 4,000, that's that's just a massive difference. So that goes back to the problem of virality. If these artists are all sending out friend requests and they're all commenting on posts and within communities that they're part of, all of the artists are doing that and some are having zero song plays and some are having over 4,000, that's really hard to say, oh, if we do this, it's going to work. But even with that in mind, what they found was that the main thing that, that we learned in this article is that the density of social networks, so that's basically comes down to the number of comments. How often are people commenting? How often were the artists commenting? So we're going to call that the density. It's, it's this depth of engagement rather than breadth. Uh, the density of social networks had a longer term impact that was about 2.7 times greater than the short term impact. So what that means is if as an artist, I went out and commented on a, a post that somebody had done in, an, in a community that I'm a part of, the initial impact of the comment might lead to something like nine song plays. But if we track it over the long term, that comment might end up having 2.7 times that. Now, again, these numbers are all over the place and then they're working with averages. The other thing that I found interesting about this is we can say, wow, one comment led to nine song plays. So if I go make a thousand comments, that's gonna lead to 9,000 song plays. So first off, keep in mind the variety of experience of these artists from zero to over 4,000 song plays, that's not necessarily going to happen for you. You might be on that zero side. So this isn't replicatable uh, data here. But the other thing to keep in mind is the dollar amount of these things. If we're talking about streaming music, I've seen numbers that basically say on average, an artist makes about a cent for every song play. So now what we're saying is, if I go comment, I'm gonna make nine cents. If I go comment a thousand times, I'm gonna make, I believe that that'd be $90. Is commenting a thousand times worth $90? Personally, I would say no, that doesn't sound very uh, repeatable doesn't sound scalable to me. Uh, but what we can take away from this is that there is a measurable impact that social media does have if we're looking at averages. Okay, so there's some kind of measurable impact on the scale of averages. Let's look at the fourth uh, study that I found here. So uh, this study compared traditional earned media, which they defined as publicity, press releases, press mentions, uh, more, so the more traditional 
earned media. And they compared that to social earned media. So blogs and online community posts. And they define this as earned media rather than like traditional media. So traditional earned media versus traditional media uh, or social earned media versus other types of social media would be maybe social media is the same. Earned media being people are opting in to follow you. So what this study found, this is the fourth study. If you go to the, the uh, episode page for this, they found a few things. First off, all earned media does affect sales. So whether it's a press release or it's a blog or it's engaging in an online community, it's all going to impact sales. Okay, that's good. That's helpful. Second thing they found, the per event sales impact of traditional earned media, so press releases basically, is larger than for social earned media. So what that means is for every press release that my company puts out, we will see a larger sales impact than every blog we put out. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Because of the greater frequency, so the third thing they found, because of the greater frequency of social earned media activity, after adjusting for event frequency, social earned media sales elasticity is significantly greater than traditional earned media's. Uh, So basically what this means is we post more blog articles than press releases, right? So even though each press release will have a larger impact on sales than the blog articles, because we're posting so many more blog articles, the blog articles end up having more, a, a greater potential for sales. Now, the key word here is sales elasticity. And this goes back to the exact same problem we had in the last article. So sales elasticity increases. So that means that the possible amount of sales that you can get from that is greater, but we're talking about the window. The window increasing is what the sales elasticity means. The window is bigger. So yes, you might have a higher sales impact from the social earned media like blog posts and uh, posts within online communities, but it's not guaranteed is, is basically what this means because the sales elasticity is, is increasing. They're saying, Hey, you could get it, but we're not sure. Right. It, it might be that your blogs aren't actually getting sales. Uh, your online community engagement isn't getting the same amount of sales as press releases, but you have a greater potential there because the amount of activity is higher. Now they did note that of all of the earned media that they studied, the press releases, the blogs, the, the online community posts, they did see the greatest sales elasticity, the greatest sales potential within online communities. So that would be like a Facebook group. Uh, so that's interesting. The fourth thing they found, social earned media appears to play an important role in driving traditional earned media activity. So if you have a press release and you post that in your uh, online community, that will drive activity toward the press release. So that's also cool, good to know. And at the end of all of this, they said, you know, from what we can tell, the reason why the the activity, the, the possible sales are greater within the social earned media, so the blogs and the online communities, is because that type of media attracts people 
who are more interested in the brand and in purchasing, right? They're opting in. So a press release, I can get that in front of people. If I post a, a press release on a, on a site that people, uh, how would I say this? If I post a blog article on my site, I know that people who are coming to my site will see that blog article. If I post in a Facebook group that is about my company or about my industry, I know that I'm posting to people and I'm engaging with people who are interested in my company or my industry. So there's a high level of interest there. But if I post a press release on someone else's site, I'm not guaranteed that there's a high level of interest. So this is why they were saying, we, they, they saw this engagement with the online communities, a higher level of engagement there, even though it's less people, is because they've opted in based on their interests. So that makes sense. So that's a, that's a, this to me is one of my favorite uh, pieces of research that I found about all of this. Let's go to the fifth uh, piece of research here. Social media use may increase customer ratings and willingness to recommend to friends. In this, they were studying a hospital, uh, a hospital network, I believe, and seeing if the hospital network, uh, if the hospital network engaging in social media impacted people coming to their hospital, people engaging with their hospital. And they found a very low level of impact in general. So the hospitals posting on social media did not necessarily get more people coming to that hospital. But they did find that people uh, were more likely to share that hospital network with their friends. So this is where we're kind of connecting the dots here. Uh, it was a healthcare provider system is what this was. So this is where we're kind of connecting the dots and saying, okay, we, we saw a greater level of social network engagement and we saw a greater level of customer ratings and a greater level of willingness to recommend to friends and we're connecting some dots here. Now, that, this one does make sense to me because if I'm going to share a company with a friend, I'm often going to share either their website or their social media profile, if, especially as communication within things like Facebook Messenger and Instagram are increasing. A lot of folks these days, uh, especially the younger folks, are replacing texting somebody via the typical texting apps like uh, Apple Messages, and they're actually just messaging people in Instagram. So that would make sense to me. Oh, I'm going to go find the hospital network's Facebook page. I'm going to send that via Facebook Messenger, right? So that's how we can increase the willingness to recommend to friends. So that was an interesting, uh, that was an interesting article as well. That's an, that's going to be an indirect increase with the, uh, the sales of the hot, the healthcare system, making word of mouth easier. Now the next article here this is number six. If you're going to go to the uh, website and check this out, uh, the number six, the, this, these researchers compared word of mouth versus observational learning. So I, I found this 
interesting that they're comparing these two. And I guess that basically they're, they're attempting to compare things that can happen on social networks. Uh, so observational learning, let's just define this. We all know what word of mouth is. Observational learning is basically you're watching somebody do something. So this is happening on social media. So they're studying, do people, um, how, how does word of mouth on within online platforms uh, impact sales? And then how does observational learning within online platforms impact sales? So if, if you're tr struggling to connect the dots on why they compared word of mouth to observational learning, don't worry, I am too. So what they found is positive word of mouth has a big positive impact. Negative word of mouth has a big negative impact. That makes sense. They also found positive observational learning. So somebody's posting on social media, here's how I did this thing. You can watch me do it. You can learn how to do this thing. Also has a big impact, a big positive impact on sales. So these folks who are posting about how to do things, that is a great use of online platforms. Now, the, the, the big surprise for me, and what I, one of the things, that the big takeaways from this article for me was that negative observational learning has no effect. So if I'm posting some kind of an observational learning video or podcast, let's say, teaching somebody how to do something, if they view that in a positive way, that significantly increases sales. And that's their word, significantly. If they view it in a negative way, if they don't like the fact that uh, somebody is teaching how to do something, it does not have a negative impact on sales. So as far as what you are posting on social media, this this has a lot of clarity. This has a lot more clarity than some of the other things that we've been looking at here. Posting observational learning on social, on online platforms is in general a good idea because it has the possibility for a positive impact and it does not have the possibility for a negative impact for the most part is what this article found. So that would be something definitely consider observational learning. Now, the last one, you know, like I said, I have three categories, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're still in the good category. And the good category is going to teach us what to do, what works, things like that. This last one, I wasn't sure where to put it. Uh, the, the, this one, they studied virality. And again, whenever I see the word virality, I'm going to hear warning sirens because I have never seen an example of something that went viral where we could systematize or repeat that thing. Going viral involves a ton of luck, just as a rule. However, that's what these folks studied. What are the things that went viral? And what they found is content that evokes awe or anger is more viral than other content. So again, keep our caveat here in mind. There are lots of things that are posted all the time that evoke awe or anger that do not go viral. But the things that do go viral in general 
evoke awe or anger. Now, the reason why I wasn't sure where to put this as far as the good, the bad, and the ugly is because I see this as a, a recipe for disaster. You're, you're, if you really take this to heart and you just start posting things that evoke awe or anger, you are part of the problem, in my opinion. And we'll get to the problem here pretty soon uh, in the bad and the ugly categories. But if we focus on evoking awe, I think that's a much more ethical strategy than focusing on evoking anger. But this is where suddenly what news stations are doing makes a lot of sense, right? They've, they're, they're tracking all of their own articles and things, and they have undoubtedly seen that these articles that evoke awe or anger are the things that go viral, so that's what they're doing. They're nonstop posting articles that evoke awe and anger and, and contributing to this insane news cycle where so much news, I, I'm an avid uh, news follower, and over the years I've reduced, uh, I've gotten rid of a bunch of news stations because of how um, just wild they make things sound, which typically is not true. Now, I'm the minority here. It's clearly working, right? Fox and CNN, I don't care which side of the aisle you're on, Fox and CNN are both guilty of this, just going to the extremes to get clicks. So I personally consider that to be unethical. And one of our values at ClearBrand is nonstop integrity. So this is not the kind of thing that we're going to engage in. I'm not going to greenlight our team to go post dozens of awe-evoking and anger-evoking blog posts and articles and uh, social media posts just to get clicks. I see that as unethical. But if I put it in the, in the good section because it does give us some clarity on something that we can do within social media. All right, I'm, I'm giving you a lot of information here. I'm going to connect all the dots. We're going to thread this together here in a minute, but let's look at the bad. How can social media be bad or where does it not work? All right. First, political activism. This is just such a, a common fad right now. Um, especially, uh, we, we, saw, we just witnessed this with Disney in Florida with the uh, bill in Florida that was labeled the don't say gay bill. The bill itself, uh, it was about not teaching kids under, I believe it was the third grade, about sexuality in general was essentially the bill, which I was confused when I saw this because when I was in school, we didn't talk about sexuality until like seventh grade. So, uh, I wasn't, I didn't understand why a bill needed to be made in the first place, but, uh, I would say that I was fascinated by the response of the left. Um, now I don't get into politics here, uh, but it did seem to me that there was a pretty big response, uh, especially on the side of the, the left and they, the people who worked with Disney wanted Disney to pick a side. They, D Disney World is in Florida. So these people wanted 
Disney to come out against the bill. Now, initially, Bob Chapek, he avoided saying anything. And this pissed off a bunch of the Disney employees. And then he came out against the bill. And what happened? Everybody who was mad that he hadn't picked a side was now mad that he had picked a side too late. So he didn't make any of those people happy. And on top of that, the people who had been happy that he did not pick a side were now mad that he had picked a side. And that's exactly what this research article found. Now, this research article did not study Disney. I'm just talking about Disney because it happened in recent events and we all got to watch it happen. But this research uh, in, in this, this is the, I believe the seventh article uh, that's going to be on the, the show notes page. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is the eighth article. Uh, it's exactly what happened. Basically, picking a side, this is what the article found, uh, picking a side causes companies to lose more customers than they gain. doesn't matter which side you pick. You will lose more customers than you gain. That was the main finding of this article. But then they had an interesting note towards the end, which is, if you are small and you don't have very many customers to lose, you could pick a side kind of as a gamble and hope that you gain more than you lose, right? If you've got four customers and you see that picking you aside might gain you six customers or eight customers, then pick a side, right? You might lose all four of your customers, but if you gain eight, you just doubled. Now I'm using really small numbers there, but that's the basic idea, right? If you're a big company, you're going to lose more than you gain. But if you're a small company and you can't lose very many, it might be worth the gamble. That's interesting. But in general, what we're going to learn from this, and the reason why I'm including this in the social media, uh, this social media episode is because this typically on social media is where people pick a side. And so based on this research, my recommendation would be one, don't pick a side. I don't know why businesses are getting involved in politics in the first place these days. Uh, that's an unknown to me. You can run your business how you want. But uh, just know that if you are going to pick a side, you're probably going to lose more customers than you gain. Uh, next, so this is our ninth article. When customers post on social media with your product, so I have here a San Pellegrino. I'm drinking San Pellegrino today. Um, if I post on social media, with my San Pellegrino, I have just signaled my identity. And what this research article found is that when people virtually signal their identity with your product, their intent to buy decreases because now everyone knows that they are a customer of your product. They now see this identity and I am now associated with this product. I don't need to buy it again because it's on my social media. All of my followers know that I'm associated with this product. So this is an example of how social media can go wrong. If a bunch of folks are uh, posting with your product, there's a chance that they are decreasing their own intent to buy. Now, they may be increasing others' intent to buy because posting on social media can be a form of word of mouth. 
This article did not study the impact, the overall impact. How many people are now going to purchase the product because of this post on social media? They only studied the individual's intent to buy. They had some ideas that they did not test about how to fight this. And the main way to fight this is to decrease the person's association of the post and the product with their identity. So if you're, if you're soliciting people to post on social media with your product, it might be worth considering this. Asking the question, how will you uh, potentially decrease their association of your product with their identity, or at least of the post with their identity? For example, posting to get a discount might decrease the identity signaling because now they're not, it's just not about who I am, it's about what do I get. Uh, they also discussed various uh, time-based delays in either the post uh, or your response. Now, this one's a little weird for me uh, because number one, if posting on social media is a form of word of mouth, I find it odd that these researchers did not study the net effect. If I post about my use of San Pellegrino and my intent to buy goes down, but five other people's intent to buy goes up, that's a net positive impact. And they did not look at that at all. They were only looking at the individual who posted in their own intent to buy. So that's a little odd to me possible negative about social media, but if you consider how do you make it about what they get, uh, how do you make it about the use of the product, about something other than the identity, my identity as a San Pellegrino drinker, for example. That's interesting. Uh, Tenth article. This one, I liked this one because I think it, it shifts how we engage with social media, but Social media does not impact people's feelings about your company. It reflects how they already feel. So you having this incredible social media page will not make people like you more. If they like you already, they might come and like your page. Now, this does not get into, if I already like you and then I come and I follow your social media page, uh, does that mean that I'm thinking about you more often and that I'm going to purchase more often? They, they did not look into that in this research article. They were only measuring the feelings about your company. So social media does not increase people's feelings about your company. Uh, also, seeing your friends like a page doesn't build trust is something else that they found. Offline recommendations matter much, much more than social media. Now, I would not personally have considered this to be a purpose of social media, but I know that a lot of folks do. Uh, in, in my mind, social media is going to exist to get the people who like us to think about us more often. So this to me, in, in my paradigm, doesn't have a big impact, but I know that a lot of folks do think if I'm posting these really great things on social media, then... Uh, people will like our company more. So that just is not the case. Um, if they like your product already, they'll probably like your page. Next one, this is our 11th article. Influencers are generally more trusted than brands on social media. 
So this is in the bad category because you have less control over an influencer than you do over your own brand. Now, it could have gone in the good category because now you know, hey, you should probably, depending on what you sell, it might be worth hiring an influencer, right? Paying an influencer to post about your product. That's a possibility. Giving them affiliate commissions, things like that. Um, another interesting thing as they were studying the influencers in this, in this research was that appearing authentic boosts sales. So that's going to apply to the influencers. That's kind of how the article was, was really, um, geared to, to studying, but it also flows into that does flow into this next article. So number 12 here, slow motion undercuts trust by making the video seem too intentional and staged. This was really interesting. So we've got all these videos these days. They're doing slow motion, whatever. Uh, so slow motion, you know, drinking your if, San Pellegrino. I'll go with that. I continue with that example here. If I'm going to put myself in slow motion drinking San Pellegrino, that's going to decrease trust. Now, if we link these last two articles together, we're really on social media going for authenticity. And so something like slow motion is decreasing the authenticity, uh, which is then decreasing the trust. So there's some, again, we could have put, I could have put these in the good because now we're learning what to do, but we're, we're also learning not to do, which is why they're in the bad. So we want to not be authentic. We want to not do slow motion if we can avoid it. Um, all right, let's look at the ugly and then we'll get into what does this all mean? The ugly. First, I think we all know this. Social media decreases self-esteem. Uh, there is also a strong correlation. So this this is uh, article 13 or 14 um, that's in the show notes. Uh, there are other articles that I did not uh, necessarily look up for this that I have seen though. Social media is directly related to anxiety. There is a direct correlation between the amount of social media use and reported anxiety levels. That is terrible. Like, I don't think we should beat around the bush on this. That is simply terrible. Uh, social media de- increases anxiety and decreases self-esteem. Now, there is another article. So this is the last article on the show notes page, which studied the different types of posts. There's a There was a trend at the time of real versus uh ideal basically. So they were posting what they could have posted on Instagram. And then they took a picture of the reality and then they kind of mashed them together into one image. So they, the, in this last article here, they studied the, the, the ideal versus reality posts compared to ideal only posts compared to reality only posts. And what they found was the ideal images, so me taking a posed picture of my, you know, washboard abs, for example, those decrease the self-esteem in the viewers. But if they include reality in any way, so it's either a fully reality post or it's the ideal versus reality post, those do not have such a negative impact or any negative impact, depending on uh, the person. So I put this in the ugly because this does not actually happen, but I wish that it did. 
if we posted more reality or more of the ideal versus reality, so reality is at least visible, social media would not have such a negative impact. But I think we need to just, if we're, if we're going to engage in any kind of marketing, I always want to consider what are the full negative repercussions here. And however we're going about it on social media, um, there is this being on social media increases anxiety. Being on social media decreases self-esteem. So even if you are, if you commit your company and your personal self to be only posting reality images, you will be having less of a negative impact on the world and on the people who are on social media. But there are so many people out there who are only posting ideal that the people who are following you are also following that there's still this massive negative impact from social media as a whole that I think we should at least consider as we are creating a social media strategy. So this uh, full disclosure here, before we even get into the strategy, I do not get on social media at all for this reason. Uh, I, I don't even have a Facebook or Instagram account. And I only occasionally uh, get on LinkedIn primarily for hiring. And so, of course, I have to go through my, my account. I log in and the first thing I see is a feed on my way to uh, the job posting page. So I have just made the decision due to the research on self-esteem and anxiety that I do not want to be part of the cycle I do not want to risk my own self-esteem, my own anxiety levels with social media. Um, so now we can, you know, that's kind of my own disclosure here. Now we can get into our uh, social media strategy. So first off, as an ethical person and company um, that has integrity, uh, starting with the information in, that, in the ugly category, I would say I think that any company and person who is on social media should commit, absolutely commit to not posting ideal images, posting reality as much as possible. Uh, that's going to help the world be a better place. Uh, now, how do we do that as a company? Um, I, I think there are things like um, skewing numbers to make it look like growth is greater than it actually is. That would be something I would consider to be in that ideal category. Uh, that would also be something that I would call a lie. So don't lie would be part of the, uh, the, the solution for social media here as we are uh, posting about things. And that can be tough on the, on the early end, on the front end of things as you're growing. Um, I personally see a problem with people oversharing and being over vulnerable. So I'm not sure that that is the solution either, especially as a company. Um, I, I am aware of a company in my town that sent an email to their entire email list saying, we're thinking about closing and then going through all of the problems that they were experiencing, I would consider that to be inappropriate in any public venue. 
that is a conversation for a business coach. And so I don't think we necessarily need to go from this idealized uh, world of made up posts to this over vulnerable world of spilling your heart and soul uh, on all of your followers. Uh, so if we can kind of look for this, this middle ground, um, I don't want to lie. I don't want to over idealize things. Uh, I do want to look for ways to post something that's fairly real. So maybe that's a office post. That's not quite as staged as it might've been in the past. Uh, something like that. Uh, I think one of the, the, the coolest things that I think people can do with this is, uh, testimonials. You can take a picture. So realtors will do this. Real estate agents will do this where they help somebody sell a house and then they take a picture of, uh, the house being sold, right? The, the, the family in front of the house, uh, with the sold sign or holding a sign that says we just bought this house. Now this to me is on the line of idealized. How do we make this a little bit more real while also uh, showing the excitement of the moment? So not going too far, too far to stage it, but I think that that's something that we can do. That's a positive. Now let's talk about our, what we've learned as a whole from all of these articles. So one, we're going to uh, value reality. We're going to value authenticity. If we think back to those, the last two articles in the bad section, they both were basically saying we want to be authentic. Um, so let's, let's uh, move forward with being authentic uh, within our posts and our ads as well. I've seen a lot of ads recently, and I found this to be really fascinating. Uh, Mudwater's doing a ton of this. Uh, Mudwater, uh, they, they make a, it's got a coffee alternative. It's got a bunch of superfood things in it. And instead of having these highly produced videos uh, on social media and YouTube and where they're running their ads, they're, it's just basically a person walking around with a camera, you know, with their phone on their face talking about their experience with mud water. I think that's a great option to uh, test out with your social media. You might not need an overproduced, you know, commercial quality uh, video for a, a social media ad. That'd be something to test. Now, the other thing here, the main thing that I would take away from, from these, and we'll get into a couple other things as well, uh, is that I would recommend testing everything. There is so much variety. There is so much elasticity in these articles, in this research here. Uh, the article about awe and anger leading uh, viral content evoking more awe and anger. Um, like I had said, there's a lot of content out there that evokes awe and anger that does not go viral. So it's that's not necessarily a recipe for success. Uh, the the article uh, on the earned, the social earned media and how that affects sales, inc it increases the sales elasticity, not specifically the sales. The article about the density of the social networks with, with the artists. So how many streams, song plays did they get uh, on average based on a variety of social network activities that they could take? Again, had a massive amount of variety 
and the article was just looking at averages. But if we're looking at average song plays of 60, but then the extreme ends include a bunch of people with zero song plays from their social networks and a very small number with thousands, that's also not something that you can suddenly take and say, oh, this is how I'm going to engage on social media. I think we can, in general, say that social media engagement of some kind generally has a positive impact on sales. But beyond that, I don't think it's clear how much we should or could expect, right? Saying that one comment on average generated nine song plays, that's nine cents. Uh, So I don't see anything here saying that we're going to see a large, a, a guaranteed large amount of sales impact based on our social media engagement especially that that second article organic interaction with the facebook page does not change buying behavior facebook and instagram are the two most popular social media platforms and this is where i see the most advice from business coaches and marketers telling people to go engage uh, on facebook and social media but one of these most clear articles here says that that organic interaction will not change people's buying behavior. So if a marketer is saying to you to go get on Facebook because you're going to make more money, I would really call that into question. I think it's worth testing. And like I said, I think in general, we can say that there is a move toward more sales if we're engaging in social networks in some way. Um, But I wouldn't say that this is that there is any, from what I can see, replicatable strategy here. Uh, the The first article I shared about Twitter is interesting to me. Twitter has a t- typically has a different use. Uh, users are different. Posters are different than on social media and Instagram. And I'm not surprised that there seems to be a higher uh, amount of behavior change based on Twitter than on Facebook. However, I think Twitter is a pretty difficult animal for a lot of folks to engage with as far as starting to post. Uh, In my experience, Twitter tends to be where people follow the really big companies and the really big celebrities. And I would love to see research about Twitter on smaller companies and I couldn't find any. So that doesn't mean that it's not out there. And if you do find some, send it my way. I'd be very curious. Uh, but what, what I am seeing here is uh, it's worth experimenting. So it seems that social media does have a net positive impact, but it's hard to create a strategy based on this research that I'm seeing, apart from being authentic and doing something Uh, if you have an online community that you can engage in, that does seem to be what has the biggest impact. If we're to kind of combine all of these articles, uh, the online communities did have a big impact, but also the traditional earned media had a big impact as well. And you've got quite a bit of control over traditional earned media, uh, and online communities. You, you, if you, if you can find one that is, on the topic of your company, that might make sense. 
but creating an online community is very difficult. And so simply reading advice to go post in online communities, uh, I don't find that to be incredibly helpful. Uh, if you can find a good one, then great. Uh, but if there isn't a good one for what you're selling, whether it's products or services, um, then that that's tough, you know, doesn't make a, doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense. Um, it, but, but again, I think that the basic, the basic thing that we can take from this is that what I would walk away from this with combining a number of these articles is that organic interaction in general does not change buyer behavior or people's uh, feelings toward your company. Paid media, whether that's ads, press releases, things like that, does seem to have a direct impact on sales. Uh, so that would be something to consider would be the, the Facebook ads, the, the boosted social posts, things like that. Uh, but in general, it is probably beneficial to be on social media, engaging with people in some way, because at the very least, it makes it easier for them to share you with their friends. Uh, whether or not the organic posts are having an impact, it does seem that there is some kind of net positive of engaging with folks in the social media world. As long as we are being authentic in our videos, in the way that we're engaging with folks, uh, and and not overproduced, um, that's basically what I take from all of this. Um, the the last thing being that observational learning. If uh, if you're able to have how to videos, it's probably a good idea too, because there's not much of a ne negative effect from those. And there is a significant positive effect, uh, from how to videos. Um, so that would be one of the ideas of things that you could post commenting seems to have a general positive effect, uh, posting potentially a general positive effect, uh, but engaging with the folks generally positive effect. So not a ton of clarity on social media. And honestly, I think that that is, uh, it, it's for the best to acknowledge that. And then to approach your social media habits and posting behavior with a sense of curiosity. Uh, if we have, you know, looking at the multiple research articles that had that wide variety of um, reporting, the, the song plays of zero to thousands, the sales elasticity. To me, that all says we've got to test stuff because there isn't, from, from what I'm seeing here, a repeatable, scalable, systemizable strategy for us to take beyond generally posting and commenting and engaging with folks in some way. Now, the, the last thing that I'll add here is while it does seem clear that there is a net positive, we don't know what amount of positive that means. Is the net positive massive or not? Unsure. Uh, the article that compared traditional earned media, such as press uh, releases, to social earned media, to uh, such as blogs and online community posts, 
they did seem to think that social or media had a higher potential. That's where they found that it had greater sales elasticity. Um, so that's interesting, right? The, the other one uh, that studied the artists was talking about how the long-term impact was 2.7 times greater than the short-term impact. And so that's something else that I think seems beneficial about social media is whether or not each individual post gets liked is less important than the long-term impact of that relationship. Now, in my view, I would want to see research on more research on that long-term impact. It makes sense to me, given what I know about marketing, that the long-term impact of social media would come through the mechanism of causing people to think about you more often so that when they are ready to buy, you are on their mind. That seems to me to be how this might work in that way, how the long-term impact is greater than the short-term impact is simply because people are on social media all the time and if they are seeing you post, they are thinking about your company. And so if, even if they're not ready to buy right now and they're not ready to buy based on that post, by posting regularly, you are staying on their mind. It's similar to uh, the, the principles behind email marketing. One of the principles behind email marketing is that we want to email people so that when they get to the point that they're ready to buy, they are thinking about you and they buy from you rather than your competitor. That seems to apply here, but I didn't see any specific research on that in particular. Um, so there you have it. There's uh, social media, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, comprehensive uh, review based on the data that is out there. Uh, we will be, uh, we are and will be experimenting with social media and I hope that over time we can share a uh, more specific strategy, but that general engaging, generally staying on people's mind seems to be a great place to start. Thanks for listening to the Clear Brand Academy podcast, where we take the mystery out of marketing and help you get more leads and sales with a clear brand and proven marketing tactics. If you liked this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to outsource your marketing to our team, go to clearbrand.com.